video. It's being recorded and it'll be uploaded onto YouTube later on. Also, please remember that this is not an all-share meeting. It's rather a question and answering, uh, a question and answer for Paul's take on the 12 steps. For details on all of Paul's events, his story under arrest, his books, those fabulous elusive t-shirts, and past events. Event videos, please check out his website at zenbitchslap.com. So to get things underway, Paul, I've selected a passage from the AA Big Book, and then I'll hand it over to you and be able to talk about it for a little bit. We're going to go, uh, we're going to go into the last paragraph of page 62. And so it's the last paragraph on 52. Page 62. Six, six, yeah. two. Yeah. All right. So it's the last paragraph. This is the how and the why of it. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant art through which we would pass to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs, more and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we came, became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. I'm going to stop there and let you have it from there, Paul. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Mike, and everyone else who... Uh, allows these talks to occur, <clears throat> these meetings. Paul Alcoholic, um, yeah, this is sort of the meat of the program, I feel. How and why of it would be pretty comprehensive, yes? When you say the how and why of something, it's sort of covering every base. And if you look at the 12 steps of recovery as a linear process, uh, first and next would have a different meaning, yes? First would be very essential for the next. Next without the first wouldn't be the next in a way. So first, to quit playing God is essential. So the understanding of that which is playing God and maybe entertaining it as not you would have you not playing God anymore because you wouldn't be identified with that which is playing God, yes? It isn't like there's going to be a quitting of playing God. You're just going to recognize what's playing God isn't you, yeah? And actually what's playing God is playing God on you, really, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's not you playing God. If you were playing God, you've done a pretty bad job treating yourself. You would think you would have won every argument by now or gotten anything you wanted and never got pulled over, never got arrested and always had high level, high quality alcohol and drugs. Yeah. 
<laughs> it didn't seem to look that way, but there was a lot of playing God. So I would say it's obvious uh, something's playing God on us. Yeah. Because look at what we put up with. Yeah. Look at what we put up with. Look at what we adapt to. After you lose any sense of what you were when you were younger, and you become a vehicle of this oppressive nature self. Yeah. It's not a pretty uh, descent, I don't feel. And you would think if you were playing God, you would have pulled the plug on it. Yeah. You would see, Jesus Christ, my God playing is going the wrong way. Let's have a, a moment of reckoning and and start moving the other way. But we seem to be powerless against the descent. So what does that imply? What does it mean? All these glaring examples of something that's dominating us. Why don't we see it clearly? Why are we confused about it? How the hell would you categorize how it was when you were out there, you playing God? You would categorize it if you took a minute or two that something was playing God on you, really. Yeah? And so the quit playing God is withdrawing our belief that we are that which is playing God, which let's call it in recovery self. Yeah? So we quit it. We quit identifying with that which is playing God because obviously we go over this a lot. If that which is playing God tries to quit playing God, that's playing God. It can't get out of it, yeah? Because it's always in the act of playing God. So uh, stopping playing God would be another act of playing God. It just, that's how it goes, yeah? So how can you quit playing God? by seeing you're not that which is playing God. Yeah. Maybe ultimately it's all of us, yes. But for us to get a certain balance, we have to see this aspect of what, if you want to call it us, I like to picture it as something foreign, because it's such a dominating aspect, everything else is suffocating. All the other aspects of what you could possibly be or be directed by is suffocating, it's oppressed, it's sort of pinned down on the mat. So let's look at that which is defeating us as other than us, because then the mental logic can understand the possibility of being free from something other than itself. It can, yeah? It knows like if the, if there's some shitty stuff going in on, in on in this room, it can leave the room. It's clear on that. The dilemma is when you're identified as that and you try to leave it, you're leaving as that, which is the bondage of self, yeah? It's captured by our statement, self can't get out of self, yeah? So first, you got to quit playing God. So that's the most paramount idea. So the idea, we don't do an inventory on God, we do an inventory on self, yes? We don't take an inventory on God. We sit and we start taking an inventory on the manifestations of self in our lives. Yeah, We may live an inventory of the manifestation of God in our lives, but we first need to take an inventory of self. We have to have that first. Or doing the third step will be infected with the identification as self. 
So then the third step seems like a transactional uh, deal, yeah? I'm going to do the third step if I get a girlfriend in a couple of weeks or if I, it better deliver me a parking space in front of the meeting, yeah? Or I, I want to get that particular job. So this is like, uh, it, that's transactional. And if you don't get the way you want it and it's not even your wanting it, you take it back, yeah? It's not a, it's not a surrender. You're not turning one's will over a, to the care of something else. It would be turning one's will over to the care of something else with considerations. Yeah, that's not abandoning one self. That's that's a deal. Yeah, that's a transactional deal. <laughs> so, first, you got to quit playing God. What's the huge talking down from that? It doesn't work. <laughs> It's just that simple. It's a simple, quick, direct punch to the liver. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the punch, you have an intimacy of, yeah, it hasn't worked for a long, long time. Yeah. So, all right. Now you're primed. Okay. Quit playing God. It doesn't work. Okay. Now we go, we take on the spirit of the third step and we sincerely take it and then we get established in it. And then we sort of hurry into the fourth step because whatever gains we have are going to be neutralized by that which is playing God. It's going to claim to be the one. So we need to do a fourth step and look at self's manifestations in our life so we can recognize uh, the guest that has been taken to be the host. Yeah. So you can ask the guest to leave or, or the, ask the higher power to remove it. Like the higher power is like a doorman. So if someone's fucking is unruly in the club, you talk to the bouncer and he asks that person to leave. Yeah. And because he's huge, <laughs> the person usually complies and leaves the establishment. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the deal, really. I feel at least this is what we're sharing here because I didn't hear it this way in all the years I was in AA. I didn't. I sat at a lot of meetings. Yeah, I just didn't hear it this way. I heard it that self was ego and ego. But see, we talk about the policeman thief in the other meetings. Yeah. So the, the ego would be the thief and then the sense of self would be the policeman in that little equation. Yeah. So now you think you've recognized the thief and you call it the ego, but you're masquerading as the same condition as the policeman. Yeah, which is the sense of self. Yeah, they're both bonding agents. Yeah, so, I mean, shit. So, yeah, this is very, very important because the word, first of all, hi and wow, and you know, how and why is incredibly comprehensive. And so, therefore, basically, the whole enchilada, and then he comes with first. Yeah, is quit playing God. So I think that's of ut, you know, utmost importance, even more important than the spirit of the third step, because that's pre that's presented as next. Yeah. So I would think you need to get clear about what actually the disease entails, so that the disease doesn't participate in the rest of your program. <laughs> because I think it's going to limit the effects that the program could have on you if you're constantly being bound to the problem. 
how much of the solution is going to sink in. Yeah. And look at it. There must be something that causes, and I'm not a statistician, but I've heard quite a lot, like the success rate in recovery from alcoholism is pretty low, generally. Yeah. How come it's so low? Yeah. Maybe there's something that's been missing. Maybe there's, maybe the, the parasite knows how to adapt to the, to the conditions of recovery and sort of really, really limit the effects of recovery. You're not drinking, but you're still maybe pretty ill, yeah? Because it sure seems like if you looked at it, statistics, it's winning, something is, yeah? <laughs> because most people don't stay sober. They just don't. Yeah, I think, what was it, 12%, 13%? That's a pretty bad rate of success, quote-unquote. I don't believe it's a success is a, a statistical number, but to get, a, get a, a point across, it sure seems like there's something involved in, in alcoholism and recovery that's not clearer, yeah? Yeah, because I think the the you know, the the disease can cause a lot of people to leave the recovery from the disease. Yeah, I think it's the disease talking to us really that leads us to leave the recovery from it. Yeah, because it's protecting its own survival, and it has a pretty good rate of success. Yeah, and after twenty years, people sometimes go out. Can you imagine that? After 20 years, they go out because the parasite can live dormantly for a while. Yeah, but it's always seemingly looking for that moment where it can produce a fuck it or, you know, that's over. That was just a, a speed bump in my life. I can do that. And then you, an action is based on an assumption that's incorrect. Yeah, you're a real addict and a real alcoholic. You're playing with fire if you start using again. <laughs> it's just that simple. Yeah. I don't care what kind of spiritual giant you are, you'll probably you probably will go out, yeah. So, yeah, I feel. Hmm. Yeah. I worked. I went to a live meeting yesterday with one of my sponsors, which I haven't gone to in a while, and. I got there a little late and someone was sharing from the book. I'd like to find it where it is. And it was talking about being relieved from the prison of uniqueness. Yeah. The prison of uniqueness or that terminal uniqueness. That's a high level of, of dis-ease. Yeah. Where the parasite isolates you from everyone and everything else and just feeds on you. Yeah. And you think no one feels like you or has done the things you've done or thinks like you and you're just totally in like a vertical coffin yeah there's nothing coming in or out without it being surveilled by the parasite it's just insane yeah so i sort of like that freed from the prison of uniqueness yeah and he was just talking about the commonality you know like I have a shirt that says, yeah, it's hopeless, but not serious. Yeah. You know, a lot of people seem to have been taken over by alcoholism. It's not a unique 
thing for someone to be taken over by alcoholism. Millions of people are. <laughs> yeah. But when you're taken over by alcoholism, one of its effects is feeling incredibly unique. <laughs> Why is that? Don't you think everything isn't just a random uh, effect or pattern, but it has an agenda? If you look at it as if something has taken you over, it makes perfect sense that it would like to isolate you to other people, yeah, from other people, so that you will only listen to it, obviously, yeah. I've seen somebody with one of my, uh, girl, my girlfriend's kids, you know, when he's making a move on her to get her to buy something like a $100 pair of shoes and something, and and I walk in, he stops immediately because the addict in me, he know he sees the addict in me when he's in the addict. And yeah, he, 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 he likes to do a number on his mom in private. If I show up, he says, and stops in mid-sentence. Yeah, but as soon as he's, I can hear him working on her and then I come in and he just stops. Yeah. <laughs> But when you're isolated with that, there's no stopping, is there? Yeah. It will just go on and on and on. So, uh, the more and more we share at these meetings, the more certain, well, I don't know how more certain you can be if you're in the being convinced, but let's say the certainty, the note of certainty just plays more and more and more. I'm open if there's a new you know, recognition, like that alcoholism is, yeah, but I, I feel it's, it's rooted in the act of being identified as it, yeah, so that when it speaks to us, we hear it as us, yeah, I just feel that's the only way it could work its magic on us, it would have to convince us that we're us, you know, we're it, I just can't see it, how it would happen any other way, yeah. And they, and at least they brought us to the general neighborhood of the, you know, <clears throat> the problem resides in the mind, so that makes complete sense that the mental processes are, are captured by its activity and are, and are being used to support its activity and its idea <laughs> at our expense. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Another day free from the bondage of self. Not bad. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Mike, anyone else? All right, let's see. Uh, I don't see any hands up right now. If you have any hand, questions for Paul today, please keep your hands up. Um, just you Say again? Shares or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. Anybody? Here we go, Stephen. Stephen from Boise. Come on <laughs> in, Stephen. Yeah, thanks. Uh, my, so I love the reading, Michael, that you did. Uh, that's one of my favorite couple of paragraphs there. That So I just thought I would share this um, sort of on the same line. You know, sometimes, Paul, we, you talk a lot about self getting to a place where you eventually end up with the, uh, you know, effort. Um, and I, I had an experience just, if, hopefully this may, this may help somebody else. I had an experience earlier this week, uh, where 
a whole series of events, which seem, you know, I, I, I always wish I could talk in the historical, like this is what happened to me 20 years ago in early sobriety. This was like 72 hours ago. Um, this stuff doesn't always, you know, it's always there. Um, and I had a whole series of events that, you know, in hind with the advantage of hindsight here on Thursday, looking back on Sunday, <laughs> I can see how ridiculous it was. But <clears throat> at the time, it was so, it just seemed like uh, it was kind of the end of the world. And it didn't, it didn't get to me, a, get me to a place of effort. Uh, I don't get there very often anymore. I really don't. What it did do is it got me to a place of um, not enough. You know, if I, if I look at my life kind of, if again, kind of objectively and where I'm at and where I was, life's pretty awesome. But that little parasite jumps right in and says, well, yeah, it's okay. But, and then I start, here's all the things you don't have that you should have. Um, and to me, it's, it's like, you know, when they talk about the flip side of the same coin, it's the flip side of the same. It's just a slight different, to me, it was just like a slightly different variation on the same theme. It didn't get me to the effort. It got me to the life is okay, but it could be, you should have all these other things, um, uh, which really is just one short step to the effort. You know, I was, <laughs> it's a really close, that's not a big leap to get from that to the, to the other. So I don't know if that'll help anybody, but I, I had that experience and it was just really interesting to see it. And then, and then, to, and, you know, and then to talk to a sponsee who was going through the almost the exact same thing. And then to talk to my sponsor, um, you know, that, that always helps. Be, my experience is, you know, one alcoholic talks to another, they both stay sober because it gives you some objective look at what's really going on, not, not what's going on up here. So I just thought I'd share that because it, it, I, I, it's amazing. I, how it, you know, it's just amazing how this stuff can still <laughs> fly up. But what I find so beneficial about these, uh, you know, your talks, Paul, is it, it is. You really understand understanding or the exact nature of the wrong and where this is coming from, why this stuff is coming up. And I also love what you talk about when, you know, when that voice, that self is talking to you about this stuff and telling you not enough. Don't take it like a CNN headline. It's from Comedy Central. Like you, I love the way when you, you know, you put that. It's don't take it. Just you hear it. Just don't listen to it um, and understand where it's coming from. So anyway, I thought I'd share that. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you, Steve. The thing is, if you got those things that you think would make it enough, that wouldn't be enough. That's the addiction. Yes, it's just never enough. And it'll just do more, change what the more is. But that's it. It's just sort of, uh, you know, the program in a way has it in idle. And it just wants to get kicked into first gear. And then it's just going to second and third and then crash into a wall. Yeah. But the idea of when you listen to it, that's first gear. <laughs> When you follow it, that's second gear. Now the gas pedal's being hit. Yeah. Yeah. Then third gear, it's everyone else's fucking fault. And then there you go. So the idea that, you know, if we could just not listen to it would be great. But let's just see that what that which is presented as me listening to it may not be me. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Just a, not to question 
what's being heard, but to question the listener. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of emphasis is always on questioning what's being heard, but very few do we ask, well, who's the listener of all this? If it isn't you, you'll lose interest in it. Yeah, you will. That's why, that's the beauty of recognizing that alcoholism, seeing it as something foreign, because seeing it as something foreign provides an opportunity that seeing it as you doesn't, yeah? When you see it as you, it means you got to do a lot of work in rehabbing it and whatever, surveillance and shit like that, teach it the principles. But when you see it as not you, it's a much easier, softer way because there's just the loss of interest in it, yeah? And therefore, it'll, there'll be a loss of interest in what supports it, which is these loops that keep getting presented, yeah? And you just, there's a point where you just, you know, you come to a conclusion or you're brought, just like it says, we'll be, we're brought to that position of neutrality. Well, we're also brought to a position of conclusion. We're, you know, we realize something is just fucked. Yeah, just, just, there's no, why, it's not going to be a service animal. You know what I mean? You're not going to spend your day petting it. And it's just, that's the way it is. So things come, become clear. They do. And, you know, maybe you get 20 examples of it, maybe one, maybe 800. But there is a point where things get clear. And you see something for what it is and what it ain't. And the main emphasis is it's not me, yeah? I am not talking to me. I am an audience that something is talking to, yeah? I very rarely hear from the audience. I live from there. But I hear a lot from the people or the thing that's uh, performing on the stage. It's trying to convince me to believe the play that it's narrating, yeah, or interpreting. That's what it's trying to do. And it, it wants it to be a participatory play where I get drunk, yeah? Then the play gets extended and it becomes a whatever, a fucking nightmare. But it's, it's, it, there's a, if you see the thoughts, the thoughts aren't appearing on your outside, you know? They're, they're directed at something. Spirit, maybe it's just a ball of interest and attention that can be whistled to go this way or teased to go that way. But it's trying to bait something, obviously. Unless it has you already on the hook. I'm talking about in recovery. It's trying to bait you to sort of let it get on, you know, get into first gear. That's all. I'm just going to go into first gear. I remember this one night. It just came up. In my first year of sobriety, I had this girlfriend, uh, Wendy. She she went back out and died, man. But uh, after 21 years, but we were there together. I had six months. She had three months. A marriage made in AA heaven, you know. So we were in a taxi coming home to her place. Yeah, and my head said, "Why don't you ask her where she was last night?" And my other part said, no, I don't think that's a good move. And so it said, and so now it was idling, but it was itching to go into first. And it says, oh, come on. What, what kind of damage is it going to do? I go, no, no, no. And oh, come on. And then suddenly, hey, Wendy, what were you doing? Uh, 
last night. And then three days later, I'm knocking on a door asking for the shoes I bought her back. Yes. <laughs> if those things don't reveal shit to you, I don't know. I mean, this thing, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to happen going to the university. Life is the fucking school. So I saw it, you know. It just played its little number. And as soon as it, it compelled an action, I had three days of consequence. Yeah. That's what it does. So there's no way of taming it or, or, or having it become your friend. You just see it as something foreign, really. And now you start listening to what you are instead of what you're not. Yeah. And what you are... That's where those intuitive thoughts come from, you know, the sudden recognition, the whatever. It has different effects than listening to a narration all day and then fucking doing what it's implying for you to do. Yeah, it's different. You're guided by something else. I like to call it the higher power and the other is the lower power. Yeah. So old employer, new employer. Yeah. Now. I feel like let's make it really broad. Perhaps there's a better way. Trusting something infinite rather than finite self. That's really basically it. So tell the truth about the trust in finite self. Yeah. And that in by telling that truth, there'll be a sufficient loss of interest in finite self that there will be true faith in the infinite, not as finite self, but faith in the infinite. Yeah. The finite self will be neutered, neutralized, yeah? Because if you have faith in the infinite as the finite self, that's truly faith in the finite self, yeah? You're still playing God with God. It's playing God with God. That's why it doesn't work, yeah? So, yeah, you see this stuff, you share it. Uh, people who didn't see it start seeing it. They see patterns that they weren't seeing before. And so now they start recognizing what they're not. And in that recognition, a possibility of being what you are is there. Yeah. And maybe the being what you are will be a lot more attractive than listening to, up to what you're not. I, I have faith in that because uh, that's what's happened with me. Yeah. I lost interest in self and I've like it, exp you know, expresses there. You're going to see what you can contribute to life instead of what you can take from it. Yeah. Your whole attitude and outlook will change because and their descriptions of the effects are perfect because that's how it feels for us, because we're talking about one commonly uh, held aspect, which is alcoholism. It's something foreign that's taken all of us over. And so we know what it's like to be free from it. And we know what it's like to be relieved from it. Yeah. I mean, to be enslaved to it and relieved from it. And it sounds quite similar to how it's explained in the big book from 80, 70 years ago. It's awesome. Yeah. We don't have any new real special effects. The same effects of the, re of the solution is pretty much how we feel. Yeah. So because it's not when it's the it's not relief for Paul, it's relief from self. That's what we all share. Yeah. We share relief from self. So I hope uh, these meetings will reinforce a possibility that 
what has taken us over is not us. It's foreign to us. And therefore, we can be free from it. My head couldn't get around being free from it as it. Yeah? As long as there was the identification as it, I could not get to freedom from it. When I saw it, the way it hit me in the recovery world was I saw self as foreign. Yeah? And then the possibility of being free from it became available. Instead of entertaining and studying tons of ways of being free from self as self, I was saw that self, I'm not self, and that was really the freedom. It's from self, not as self or for self or with self or by self. It's from, yeah? <laughs> you recognize something as not you, and then there's a freedom, yeah, from that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's living sober, so to speak, for us. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Steve. Nice to see you. Yeah. Thank you. It's great stuff. Yeah. I love the thank analogy, you. the first gear, because it never says, let's start out in sixth gear and hurdle down the interstate at 140 miles an hour. So I ah, just, just play with that a little bit. And, and I'll end exactly. up. Exactly. What is it going to do? You know, I'm just, I'm just curious okay. what she was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's okay. And, and uh, I think I'm talking it through and talking it through with another alcoholic and, and just being, you know, look, just think through what you're about to do. And in three weeks, you're gonna, your life is going to be in ruin, rubble. You know, you're, I'll be asking for a lot more than a pair of shoes from my wife. My teenage daughter will be, you know, won't be ever, will never talk to me, all that, you know. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, but see, then the, the, the idea of, alcoholism like in me was it was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now really it wanted immediate relief from an imaginary condition <laughs> which was going to produce some fucking seemingly real conditions in my life that were very adverse but it sounded like a good deal yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's called slavery yeah <laughs> it's enslaved to old ideas that never produce new results <laughs> they keep producing the same old results <laughs> yeah I'm serious you know it's uh uh Just having people get and stay sober is not a frequent thing. Yeah. So I really feel the problem is really uh, injected itself into the solution. I do. I do, seriously. And it has its main doors when it leaves, the fourth step, the ninth step, yes? It just says adios and takes off. It's too patterned not to think there's something going on isn't it that generally most people leave around the fourth step or the ninth step why is that why you know because obviously i can see the fourth step because the parasite doesn't want you to look at your role in things because you'll see its role in things i see that that's clear and then the ninth step of course 
it one of its main uh, hooks is the past in you. If you start making an amends and you become freed of the past, to that it means you're freed of it. Yeah, it doesn't want that to happen. It has us hooked in the past. It uses the past as a huge hook. Yeah, what happens if we do amends? We're going to be free from that past. It doesn't want that to occur. So it says, fuck it, and splits. Yeah. Seriously. If you look at not just us, but generally in the community, you see patterns of stuff. Just like in Narcotics Anonymous, they realize the three parking spaces, institution, jails, and death, and how many people start from their own unique supposed conditions and situations, but always end up in those three fucking parking spaces. That's something that has a lot of value in to recognize that. Because obviously, it must be the same driver driving all these millions of people to the same place it would take anyone. Yeah? So let's recognize that. And the idea of when does most people go out in recovery? It's commonly held that it's a fourth step and the ninth step. Usually, at least, that's what I used to hear a lot in the community. People, they're ready to go to the inventory process, bye-bye. Yeah, like that. And then the ninth step. Yeah, why would that be? One has to do with seeing your role in things, which would mean you'd see the parasite's role in things. And the other is to become all right with the past when the past is the biggest, biggest hook that the self uses to keep you at bay. Yeah, that keeps you bound to the guilt and shame of all that shit. Yeah? It doesn't want you to be free. So maybe it will let shit happen, but when push comes to shove, it usually shoves us out of the program. <laughs> it does. You know, I when I'm in, you know... I have my I have a tendency to see patterns. That's what I'm interested in, not particulars. Yeah, it's not Paul. It's just I've had it since I was a kid. So to see the patterns of our community, there's a lot that's revealed there. Yeah, there is. It's not Bill didn't want to do the fourth step. Most of us don't want to do the fourth step. Yeah, and. You know, so you take out the uniqueness and you see the commonality of what's taken all of us over so that you can recognize it. And when you, instead of recognizing it and calling it you, you recognize it and see it as other. It's a huge difference in, in what's going to lead your life and direct your life. Yeah, you may think you have a job with the new employer, but you're still employed by the old employer. Yeah. So, all right, thanks, Michael. That's awesome, Paul, thank you. Our next question is coming from Chris from Area 26, District 17. How are you today? Good morning. <laughs> Hi, I forgot to change my thing. I'm in Lexington, Paul. Hey, Chris. Yes, I know you. Nice to see you, bro. Hi, good to see you again, my friend. Thanks, Michael. Um, Yeah, self rebels at inventory and amends, doesn't it? Uh, um, it seems like 
freedom from self is freedom to be a part of or participate in the infinite good. Um, I really like what you said a, a, a few sessions ago um, that no one recovers from being an addict. They no longer identify with that condition. I, I may be, I didn't say it just like you did. You said it better. Um, but I've thought about that a lot in the interim and you're touching on that today. And uh, that really struck me hard and um, was very helpful. So I appreciate that. Paul, I'd, I'd like to hear you talk more about the transactional nature of life, uh, which you kind of touched on today, or uh, life, this experience, this 3D thing that we do here in this human condition. Um, but because it seems like when I, when I touched on that, when I first got an inkling of what that transactional nature of this existence is about this, this whole thing is set up that way. It's, it's uh, everything's yeah. a trade, you know. Um, I, I, my my best example of this was I traveled to Spain in 1988 on a summer study program, and we visited a lot of cathedrals there. And I noticed that, uh, you know, like in a Catholic or Episcopal church, they'll have a little uh, candle set set up and um, you a little donation box here in America well in Spain they were on timers and electrically uh, electric lights so you'd put in a, a peseta for 25 <laughs> uh, and and you get your seven and a half minutes of grace and uh, that that was that's always been the example <laughs> that's the example that I use because talk about transactional it's like like okay i'm willing to pray for seven and a half minutes for this person and but i didn't even stay i put my 25 cents in and left after three or four seconds but um yeah so um the vagaries of this transactional condition that we find ourselves in you know it's everywhere and and I, I just would like to hear you talk some more about that. And it could be another time. It doesn't have to be today, but um, uh, thank you for yeah. bringing that up. And uh, thanks for letting me share. Oh, you're welcome, Chris. I don't know if I want to speak about it today because it's, uh, in a way, it has, in me, it's outside uh, topics that I don't want to share an opinion on. But we're living in a society that, uh, Profit is the God, yes, and it's transactional, yeah? You're, you're, you, there's a currency, emotional currency, spiritual currency, f financial currency, and there's a lot of trading and swapping, yeah? And there's a lot of pressure put on the players that if they don't play, they're going to get whacked, yeah? They're not going to be able to have children, let's say, or stuff like that. So there's, if the if the if the the uh, if the gifts don't get you to play, the punishments will. Yeah. So it's a you know we're living in a, like we're in Rome, and you have to in a way do as the Romans do, but you're not Roman. Yeah. So there you go away. 
That's what I would say. And I think you can live in this life and have a non-transactional life in a life of transactions. I do. And I think the spirit of recovery and the emphasis of surrender to the higher power is, is, uh, captures that. Yeah. 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 AA provides us principles, uh, to live in a, in a world of other principles, let's say. Yeah. And we do the best we can as with that. And at least the great North star of the principles is, you know, I'm not managerial quality and something has done for me and is doing for me what I can't do for myself. And that has become a very, very, uh, comprehensive, uh, condition in this life. Yeah. I really had the experience of when I entered recovery, because I had surrendered to a program for two years, yeah, based on not having anything to do or anywhere to go. I had surrendered to the police many times. I had surrendered quite a lot in life. And when I finally was introduced to the spirit of surrender in AA, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the surrender is really more important to what you're surrendering to. You know, when I surrendered to the cops, I went to jail. You know, when I surrendered to this program, they kept me away from myself and I thrived. Yes, they did a job, but I would have to live in there the rest of my life to keep that condition going. I came into AA and the idea of surrender has allowed me to become a free range alcoholic, which is, that's fucking a pretty expansive uh, realm in surrender, yeah, to me. So uh, I had a spirit, it just hadn't been met with the right match, and uh, AA was that match. I saw the spirit of the third step clearly in my own take, and uh, I realized that no human power could get me sober because it hadn't. And I had a mother who would have done anything for that to happen, and it didn't. And yet something did that which no one could do, no love of a human could do in this life. Yeah, so uh, that had a pretty profound effect over time, being relieved of active drinking and using. Yeah, where I don't have, a, never had a strong thought or feeling about it. I mean, I've never had a solution as worthy of the term solution as recovery. And with such a fucking pernicious condition, it's amazing. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, there are, most people, we're moved mostly by fear, you know, a lot, or anxiety, and... Um, certain ways of life, uh, they work on that tension, yeah? They work on having people afraid that, uh, you know, there's a natural feeling, like if you feel shitty, that you would look to get better. But that natural feeling's been interrupted by a fear of money, 
So when people feel weird, they feel they're so afraid it will cost them money that they don't take care of themselves. This is what happens a lot, yeah? So, um, you know, this is where we find ourselves. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was... Uh, I really believe in a, if you change in a small way, that's a very big deal. Yeah, you may not be able to change the world, but you can submit yourself to be changed now here and be useful in whatever sphere you're in. Yeah. And to me, that's if that's the best this can be used for of hallelujah. So I, ha I lost interest in changing the world. Yeah because uh, I just have, but I'm interested in uh, offering, you know, any possibility that would allow you to travel lighter and for me to travel lighter. Yeah, so, yeah, my, uh, the head is transactional. That's why the third step is a deal when the head does it. And it says, you know, and where the head will tolerate shit to a certain point, that's not acceptance. It's waiting, it feels if it tolerates it long enough, it's going to get what it really wants. When it doesn't, it flips out usually. So there's no acceptance there. So the head is, yeah, the head is I win, you lose. <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> so... Yeah, is isn't it interesting so that, that isn't it interesting that when you gave up the desire to change the world, here you are changing the world. Well, it seems to work that way, yeah, because the tool isn't uh, the tool doesn't direct the project. Something else that directs the project and uses you as a tool. <laughs> the tool doesn't direct the project. You know what I mean? Or the, the nail would always be, the head hammer would always be looking to nail shit. <laughs> you surrender the tool, yeah, and then it gets put to good use by the new employer. The new employer is running the project, not the hammer. <laughs> yeah, that's the spirit, yes. that That's the spirit of it. That's how I feel, yeah. So, yep. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thank you Anyone much, else, Michael? Walter, he's got a question. Walter, how are you today? Walter. Good evening. Uh, I wonder about the fourth step, you know. Um, also, just now you talked about changing, changing the world. Uh, well, that's a long time ago. Um, what I did try to do, trying to change myself, and also the fourth step, doing that, looking at all the shit I've been in, uh, I mean, I also come to the conclusion, or also, I see from, I, the only thing I can get out of the, the fourth step is that I basically see my madness. 
the the insane situation I got into uh, with the insane people I've been around with and what my part was it, you know. And nowadays I find myself in a position um, I'm uh, kind of scared to have contact. I do have contact with people, but I'm very scared of if I'm making the right move or the wrong move, you know. Just now a friend of me is in problems and okay i'm doing service but i'm very careful with it i'm scared you know that i do the wrong thing or I get myself in serious problems you know and by the way listen you you it's a total miracle i got out of the alcohol once again you know you make you make it sound you make it sound really very serious and i'm very painfully aware how many people finally go out of the program and kill themselves or drink themselves to death um, it happens a lot so yeah. it is a miracle well walter with this you know with the life things with working with people and stuff it's they capture it in in on page 63 where they say you know you'll learn that you can face life successfully so you'll learn that you can face helping someone else successfully for both of you. Yes, these things happen. This is the experience. And it's not your madness you're going to see in the fourth steps. You'll see the madness that was imposed on you by this identification as self. It's completely mm -hmm. different than your madness. You see the madness as yours, and then it's revealed that it's not. That's the beauty of it. But if you put it off... If you don't want to look at your madness, you're never going to see the source of the madness. Yeah, because that's what it hides in. It hides in your reluctance to look at where it is, really. Because if you did, you'd recognize it. So we want to avoid the madness. And that's a perfect environment for the parasite to thrive in, really. Yeah, we don't want to look at it. We don't want to tell the truth about it. Yeah, we just want to ignore it, and then it occupies a lot of our space. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. But when you break it, you can... I do want to look at it, but I, I do know that by helping people, I got myself a lot of times in troubles. And then the whole chain of resentments, etc., uh, etc. Et I don't have to tell this whole yeah. chain. Well, then you take it. You, you take it slowly, and then ha take an honest appraisal. Yeah, don't get stuck with your old idea that it's always going to fuck up when it doesn't. You know, honor it that it didn't mm -hmm. fuck up, and then perhaps this other way gets stronger. Yeah, that's what it okay. says. How do you face life successfully? Yeah, to find out that you can face life successfully is you need to face life first, yeah? And then you realize, well, I have all these old ideas, it's never going to work, but I have evidence that's working right now. So now the old ideas uh, come under review, yes? And now you they're replaced by new ideas. Fucking life's working, yes? I can be available to others and not get taken advantage of or fucking go crazy, yeah? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. 
Now I can recognize I can have boundaries where there's needed to be boundaries. Yes? Boundaries. Don't, that's don't it. eat the whole pie. Take a little piece of the pie and see if it doesn't affect your digestion system. So try a little, see if it works, and then you're more open to do more shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know, I learned about not going, you know, the suggestion when you would go on a 12-step call would be go with someone. Yeah. Now I learned the importance of that two times when I went when I wasn't with someone else. <laughs> so I recognize that's very good advice because shit happened when I went by myself. Yeah. So, okay, I, I go got that. I got that now. And so now if I'm going to go see someone loaded, I'm probably going to go with someone else. Yeah. Because I learned. I learned I could face life successfully learning by being unsuccessful, I learned how to face life successfully. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah. I sat with this lady, Wendy, I just talked about earlier, who was my first fairy princess. When she was in the throes of this disease after 21 years, and she it took her eight years, and then she killed herself. But one night, she had me come over, and she appeared like a fucking a shapeshifter like four different times. And I wasn't going to get loaded or anything or hang out with her, but I had an emotional hit from it. And I realized, geez, that was pretty incredible. And uh, so I realized, yeah, not to do that again. Yeah. To go, <laughs> I'd come with a woman, go there with a woman and something. Yeah. So, yeah, this is about some, t this is how we face, we learn how to face life successfully is by trying and maybe not facing it successfully and learning that way. Where before, I just fucking was frozen. I didn't do shit, except getting loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't facing life at all, as much as possible. So I feel we will come a long way, and you got to take the steps that you need, that you can take. If they're baby steps, far out. Yeah. If there's a leap, far out. Yeah, just, yeah. But you yeah. don't want to live in that cocoon of old ideas, do you? No. No, no, absolutely not. Uh -huh. I'm, 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 I'm doing my best to get and out with it. Yeah, and you can come here with people and share how you do with these things and share your fears and, and anxieties. This is what the community is for. Yeah? So mm -hmm. people will help you or assist you in taking steps to... to uh, to sort of return to that which you have a lot of old ideas about, yeah, and just check it out. And I'm telling you, those old ideas don't need to have any uh, true effect anymore. Maybe they're time to be reshuffled and re recycled and rehabilitated, yeah. Yeah. I've no problems to get rid of my old ideas, not at all, you know. Uh, but they're in my rucksack, no? They're hiding in yeah. strange... Well, this is, well, I just let the higher power come in, and then it'll let him rummage through the old ideas and see which is still useful and which isn't. This is mm -hmm. the spirit of recovery. We admit we can't do a lot of shit, and that allows something else to do it for us. That's That's the... It's sort of like admitting your disability and then someone carries you up the stairs, you know? If you keep fucking trying hard and you just can't make the stairs, 
just fucking admit you can't do it and let something else help you or participate in it getting done. That's humility. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally at that point. I'm totally at that point, you know, that I see I'm powerless, uh, giving it over from I just don't know. No, I just don't know. Yeah. I'm happy when I don't do any stupid things. Um, I'm every day totally thankful that I'm sober, sober, you know, and that there is some uh, that I can be at service like that because I don't know, you know, another book, another yeah. this, another that, forget about it. I did it all, no? Another yes. love affair. <laughs> Yes. Well, this is sometimes, you know, the greatest steps are very small ones. So you just sort of show up. I mean, I had so many ideas about so many things and uh, that I was conveniently avoiding ever looking at and getting sober. Uh, those avoidance days were over. Love like demanded itself from me. Yeah. And so it was uncomfortable a lot of the time. But the expansiveness that showed up after gave me the balls to keep showing up and, and going through the operations because they were all pretty beneficial. So, yeah, I was paralyzed by old ideas and fucking uh, faulty ways of looking at a lot of shit, really. I mean, basically, yeah, I needed a, I needed a social overhaul and it's taken a long time but aa and the community of recovery provided the ways and the means to fulfill that purpose of being free from the bondage of self yeah so yeah especially like relationships and everything like that you know everyone has a story of what they think they're like and some of them are old and some of them they don't fit anymore but we keep putting them on almost like armor to protect ourselves, but we're not protecting ourselves. We're protecting self. Yeah. We're protecting self and we're suffocating us. And AA, you know, brings you a lot of times to those points. So to, so where that jumping off point of, Either I'm going to just do the same old, same old and pledge allegiance to the old ideas or I'm open to a new possibility. And that becomes a habit after a while. You just stay open to new possibilities and a lot of shit gets recycled. A lot of stuff uh, in your, your huge storage unit gets looked at and puts, is put to better use. Yeah, and a lot of it gets discarded. So... But, uh, you know, we're on the operating table. Let the doctor do its fucking job. Yeah, you've submitted to this program. Just fucking, yeah. He's Take welcome. He's very welcome. Hmm? He's very welcome, the doctor. Yeah, so there you go. And, you know, you don't have to stay awake and telling him what to do and, oh, look at this and look at that. It, it knows it has a better view of you than you ever did and uh yeah i'm happy with a lot of you know i'm in elective surgery before i was in intensive care now over the years i'm they're more elective surgeries yeah they don't need to be changed but hey if they'll make it more useful let them change but before it was intensive care 
for years. I mean, shit. I had a lot. Of, <laughs> I had to be worked on quite a lot, man. So, and uh, I just love AA. I love the recovery community, even though I may not like a lot of the people at times. But <laughs> I love the recovery community. <laughs> so, nice to see you, Walter. We've got to get back. Thank you. All right, next up we have PK. PK, come on in and ask a question, buddy. How are you today? Hey, man. So it's great to be here. Uh, my schedule didn't allow me to get here, but I love what you had said earlier. You know, like if you couldn't get to your meditation, couldn't do your yoga, if everything wasn't just right, that's still okay. You know, you don't need, if you, if you have to rely on those modalities, to do all the things you want, you're going to probably be in trouble. But, you know, so it's great to be here. I just love sharing the squares with everybody here and hearing your message is profound and kind and you're pointing. It's it's amazing. It's awesome. But I, not no buts, actually. But I did want to say something. I wanted to get your take on something was I love how you were saying, you know, like in a way we have this, the commonality which we are pointed to from the terminal uniqueness of what had destroyed us. But, you know, I find that that's so glamorized, even by my seeming sense of the self, that what we're joined in, in that's giving us the victory is often kind of put, you know, you know, uh, is, is backstage or is not really promoted. Like sitting here in, in your presence with everybody else in the squares I feel like there's this commonality that we have, like PK is a person, forget about PK, he's a moron. But thankfully there's the higher power that PK is getting, getting relief from. And I feel like we're all, we have this commonality of that which isn't us. And somehow so much of the focus is on I this, I that, and all the, the problems and the bad part, but the glory and the, and the, and the invitation to this, you know, sweet silence and profound message that you point to. Like, I love the thing where you said, you know, you get to the other shore and you realize you never can't, you know, you never left, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. amazing. I mean, you know, for me, it's just so great. Like I, I love being at the live meetings. If my schedule doesn't allow it, Hey, that's not going to, what am I going to do? I got to just still be present in the moment, do the best I can know that I'm not alone I'm never alone. So thank goodness. Hallelujah. But I just feel like somehow I feel we focus so much on the glamorization of what was destroying us that we don't really give enough props to that, which gives us relief. You know, the bliss of relief is just, and I see it. If I look at the faces on the squares, mostly everybody here, maybe it's just for this, during this meeting that everybody has uh, a, 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 a feeling of, of just relief and bliss and goodness. And then maybe when the meeting ends, everybody's like, fuck back to life, you know, but I still feel it. And I just feel like somehow the bliss is so underrated and understated, you know, when it really, for me, and I did just about every drug I could get my hands on every drink I could get my hands on. But to me, the higher power and the feeling that we can get from that, it's, it's the, the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> so thank you for being my pusher. You're my pusher man. 
I appreciate it. <laughs> now you're nobody, That's I'm nobody, right. but the point you're pointing to something that is so divine and is so amazing. Even when I can't make the meetings, you know, I still, I get ahead of it just in everyday life, you know, whether things are good or bad, it's still something kind of Zen bitch slaps me and, and makes me know, you know, the isness has got me covered, you know? So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, PK. You're awesome. Thank you. Hey, Mike, let's end soon, eh? <laughs> okay, Paul, we're, we're good. That's all the questions are, all the comments for today. And um, close her out. All right, great, great. Well, listen, thank you again. It's wonderful where these things go, these Zooms. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, thanks, Michael, for running the show. Kurt, as always, we got uh, Danka. Danka, she's, I like that. I like that hair there, honey. There you go. Yeah. We got Owen. From uh, we have a we have a nice potpourri of locations. We got Moab. We've got Dublin or Ireland. I don't know where exactly Owen is. We got Walter from the Netherlands. Alex from Hudson Valley. Jacob from Seattle. Cecilia, I don't know where you're from. I think it's it maybe a different planetary system than ours. But uh, we'll. Uh, We've got Gregory from Moab, my handler when I'm there. Thank you. Very nice to see Gregory. PK from Long Island. Yeah, he's handling the past for me. Yes. The Long Island past. That's a haunting past. Wow. Paul, Paul from the UK. Nice to see you, Paul. Roman from Germany. Nice to see you, Roman, as always. Mike. P, I don't know where Mike is from. Where are you from, Mike? Atlanta. <clears throat> Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta, wow. Yeah. He's yeah. in one of the outskirts of uh, the Ten Bitch Slap Reach. Yes, and, uh, yeah. and thank you, Paul. Thank you for trouble all. extending yeah. down. Yeah, right on, man. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We got Rich A from the UK. Nice to see you, Rich. Yes. We got Mickey from Madeira, Nina from LA, but I swear she's from New York, but she says she's in LA, all right. We got Tommy from Ireland, just never see him, but I feel him. We've got uh, David B. I think he's in, I know he's in America somewhere, yeah. Uh, right outside Detroit, Ferndale, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. Michigan, all right, so. We got Jason from San Diego. Yeah, we got Chris from Lexington, Kentucky. We got Oliver from Berlin. He always has nice pictures up. Uh, I think that's it. Some other stragglers with phone numbers. Hey, thank you, everyone. Very nice day. And uh, I hope it continues for all of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, What's today? Thursday. Yep. Friday, one o'clock live and also on Zoom. Under the, in the tent encampment with under the blanket with Michael Z. 
Yeah. All right. I'll see you guys. And also, we're having Thanks, that cool. gathering up here. In, uh, people are coming over to where we live. Uh, I think it's the 9th, 10th, and the 11th. If anyone's interested, get in touch with Nina here. She has the Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Good. Perfect. Yeah. And we have the meetings lined. We're going to have one at night, Friday, and then go to eat. Okay. Seven o'clock, I think, a meeting. We'll go to eat after at eight. Yeah? That sounds good. All right. All right. <laughs> See you, everybody. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Take care, Paul. Bye. 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 Bye.